Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz Loza, and today I'm going to get some help from Frank Schwab, one of the hardest working humans at the website, as we close out the series on mistakes that we all made over 2021. If you don't know, Frank does a wonderful pod with Charles Robinson every Sunday night. It's the Freestyle Pod. You pod to win the game is the name of the show. Frank, I listened Almost right. I think every single week I listened to both you and Charles on on Monday mornings as I was trying to get my wits about me recovering from what is a Sunday when you work in this business. I'm, I, I go hiking every Monday morning to like clear my head and you and Charles were in my ear regularly. So thank you for helping me get through the season as well. Yeah, I, I had to set Charles straight so often. I mean, you got, the, <laughs> you got to have a front row seat for it, but as you know from that podcast, I make plenty of mistakes, so I'm here to flog myself for all the mistakes I made last year. I, I The series has been great. I'm enjoying it, and I'm very happy to be on with you. And to just, I, I went through, to, to, honestly, to prep for the show, I went through my drafts last year. I'm in too many leagues. I don't even want to admit how many. Went through a lot of them, and I was like, oh my God, I was drafting Julio Jones like that? Wow. Okay. <laughs> You know, so so we have plenty of content for today, Liz, and I'm excited. It's interesting because um, the last two episodes, you know, everybody's taken a slightly different approach to the exercise presented by producer John. Some have been players, Julio Jones, um, you know, all of a sudden, the last episode, Scott was like, we're doing a top five. And Andy on the fly was like, well, let me rank these mistakes from least (laughs) to most egregious, right? So when I was given the assignment, um, I do have some specific players to discuss, but it's more like one philosophical error that I have made over the large part of my career will likely continue to make because I think it links up with maybe just a personal belief system. Um, But I kind of wanted to also just warn you that I'm taking it from a more of a bird's eye view approach. Yep. Same here. I I wanted it to be actionable. We could all sit here and say like, yeah, I screwed up on Ezekiel Elliott last year. Okay, I did. Well, why? What What was it about that pick? And we're going to get into that. So I so that we can definitely apply it to this. Apply it to yes. this year because that's how I do it personally. I'm like, why did I screw that up? Why Why was I so heavy on some of these guys or so light on some of these guys? Was there something philosophically I'm doing wrong? So I, I'm happy to be here with you because it's almost like being you know 
steal a bit from somebody else being on the couch, right? Like we can we can sit here and discuss yeah. our, our various mistakes from a year ago and see how we can fix them going forward. I love it. All right, before uh, we get to that, though, a bit of NFL news. Rob Gronkowski, as I'm sure listeners have already discovered, has retired again, maybe for real this time. We're not quite sure because uh, it was... It was reported that were Tom Brady to be in a pinch at some point over the maybe the back half of this coming season, and he called his friend on the bat phone or the bucks phone or whatever phone they use, burner phone, I like that, um, <laughs> uh, he would maybe consider coming out of retirement just for, you know, in a, in a pinch. Um, but obviously, heading into the season, we got to take him out of our rankings. We have to have a discussion about Cameron Braid, who has been with the franchise <laughs> Since he was drafted, I mean, this guy is Tampa Bay through and through at this point in his career. Um, where personally, I'm less interested in Cameron Braid. I think I moved him into like, I don't know, my tight end 20, tight end 19 kind of range after some of the sleepers that I like a lot, like Robert Tanyan. I, I think I have like Cameron Braid right after Robert Tanyan. That sort of range just to quantify for listeners. But I'm, I mostly think, if anything, this continues to benefit Russell Gage, who is being criminally underdrafted and underranked. I have him now just inside my top 40 at the wide receiver position. And also Leonard Fournette. Kudos to Dalton Del Don, who has been who has been stomping and pounding the table for Uncle Lenny since, I don't know, since we were forced to do these rankings the day after the NFL draft, on that last week of April or first week of May, something like that. Um I finally have Fournette. Like he's my he's my RB ten. I just feel like he's going to pick up take up a lot of the pass catching slack that without Gronk in the lineup, there's the opportunities are gonna are gonna go mostly to Gage and to and to Fournette. What do you think? Yeah, and, and red zone. I mean, Gronk we know is a red zone monster, has been his entire career. And now who gets those touchdowns? I think Fournette is at the top of that list. Mike Evans is gonna eat. He always does. I like I like the Russell Gage call out. I mean Somebody's got to catch passes. I, I I think one offshoot of this, and it's something our friend Scott Pianowski actually emailed me about overnight. Do we, we we have to kind of downgrade Brady a little bit, don't we? Like, you don't want to be one year too late on him. And my goodness, have I lost a lot of money fading Tom Brady as I'm like, he can't do this at 41. He can't do this at 42. He can't. But finally, we get to the point where it's like, he just lost a key part of his offense. Godwin, I'm fading him because he's he's coming off this ACL late in the season do we finally like say I mean, i'm gonna fade tom brady in drafts he also I don't know. lost bruce arians uh yep. mm-hmm. he lost a couple of linemen right cap is yep. not there anymore right. and um ali marpet like he's not there so i do think you know we've seen tom brady we've become used to the miracles that have occurred b- via the hands and the presence of tom brady but even miracles run dry Eventually, you know, so I, I think you're right. I'm I'm just getting he also signed this giant deal, right? The broadcasting deal. So there's something else on the horizon. It feels very different. And something I, I, I've always kind of this is a funny line, but I think it is true that if you're an NFL player, once you start thinking about retiring, you've already retired. Like, I mean, and I think that. I, I don't know. It's just Jay a, a Cutler competitive would like monster. A, word. <laughs> <laughs> a competitive monster like Brady retires and then he kind of has second thoughts. It comes back. And I, it's just, it was a weird off season. I, I personally look, I mean, Brady's going in a spot in the dress where I could just say, you know what? I'm going to take Russell Wilson instead. Or, you know, I mean, guys around that area. So I think I'm, I'm going to probably not have any shows of Brady at all. And, and 
you know, I don't learn my lesson. And it's just the way it goes. Yeah. Brady will probably throw for 40 touchdowns again. But I think this is the year that it could, we could see a slot. Well, it's also, it's just that what you mentioned, the ultra competitiveness. Like we know he is that, that ego, that drive, that Michael Jordan-esque intangible competitiveness is so present in him. And I don't think that ever goes away, right? So it's that at this point that we're betting on. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I, I think it might, I, I, just the whole retirement thing, maybe it slips a little bit. Maybe just like, you know what? I got seven rings. What am I really playing for here? What What does Tom Brady have left to prove? If you think he's the greatest quarterback of all time, you already do. An eighth ring ain't changing that. You're well, either, he's got to look at himself in the mirror. With, That's what I think. I mean, yeah. he, he has to look it's at himself in the mirror and say, I gave it my, because that guy doesn't give 100. He gives 150, you know? Yeah, so always has. I think that that, Oh, and also, I, I'm wondering, too, if the retirement, uh, the unretirement, you know, Charles talked about this on You've Had to Win the Game. I wasn't, I'm not sure if you were the guest that week, but the situation in Miami might have created a couple of circumstances that forced him to double back on something he did. So it is a different year, and I agree with you. I probably won't have any shares of him, though in the Scott Fishbowl, just looking at that scoring system, was a little interesting in a 2QB league. Especially it will depend. Right. Yes. I, I mean, there are situations where I, I wouldn't pass, but I, I, it won't be proactive. Let's put it that way. All right. There's other uh, news going on in the NFL today, but it has to do with like lawsuits and house oversight committees. And we're a fantasy football podcast. So you can listen to Charles and he'll work you through all that. I'm sure we're not going to worry about any of that until it starts affecting ADP. Now we are going to talk about <laughs> our mistakes Actually, I know in the outline, I have mine first, but I want you to go first. Sounds good. And I think the biggest, you know, when I went through these drafts again, I, I looked at the guys who I, I didn't hit on. Zeke, Aaron Jones, Antonio Gibson. And I think I just failed to recognize the true upside. And I discounted the role and coaching, honestly, and, and just the situation these guys were involved in. Zeke, I was drafted Zeke in the first round last year. I bought into like, he's going to bounce back and all that. Really didn't, when you have Tony Pollard there, when Aaron Jones has uh, A.J. Dillon there, your your upside's capped. And I, yeah, and you could start to talk yourself into, well, what if Tony Pollard gets hurt? Well, yeah, okay. That's, that's hard to really, <laughs> it's hard to really project. So when I look at the guys, who I really missed on, it's because I just failed to recognize that the situation isn't as good as I think it is. And you know, when you're sharing time, it just you're not going to get that full bulk of the carries or anything. And that's fine if you drafted these guys mid-rounds, but first, second round, that makes it tough. And Antonio Gibson's a guy. I drafted a lot of Antonio Gibson last year. And it's not necessarily because he had a lot of competition, but it's because of his role. We all talked ourselves into... Well, he's going to catch the ball more. Look what he did at Memphis. He was basically a receiver there. They're going to get... No, Washington's been trying to tell us for years. We don't trust Antonio Gibson as a receiver. We're not going to give him that role. And I just ignored that. And thinking, well, rational coaching is going to take over at some point. And I don't think we can do that necessarily. Whereas a guy like... And all the guys I missed on last year, Liz... Jonathan Taylor, you know, on Wisconsin, I'm a Wisconsin alum. I love Jonathan <laughs> Taylor. Maybe I was being an anti-homer a little bit, but I kept buying into like, well, maybe, you know, maybe he won't catch the ball enough and Naheem Hines and now Wentz is hurt and all this kind of stuff. Whereas I should have looked at his role and said, who's taking carries away from Jonathan Taylor? Like he's got the bulk of it. So I think just looking at that now, I have to be more cognizant this season of what's a guy's true upside in his situation? Or is a guy like a Tony Pollard going to be taking away from a guy like Zeke? But 
the tricky thing, and you do work the NFL beat for Yahoo Sports, so you deal with this, I think, more frequently than we do on the fantasy side. When you look at Zeke's contract and you think right. how he got paid, and it's going to bleed into this year, right? Like, even if we've it, seen Tony absolutely. Pollard be fresh. kind of kills both guys, but it kind of kills both guys. Right? Exactly. Like, I mean, when, yeah. when um, we did, I forget which week it was now, earlier in the season, uh, during Eckler's Edge, I asked Austin, like, who are you taking, Pollard or Zeke? And he said Pollard based on what he saw as a active player at the same position. But if you're going to spend that kind of money on a player in this kind of market, right. At that position, you are going to use him. So I also feel like in at least two of these cases, Zeke and Antonio Gibson, I'm not quite sure that their upside wasn't reached because they were in a bit of a committee. I mean, what what running back isn't in a committee? What committees aren't run right, right, these yeah. days? You know, But they were also dealing with injuries that they played through. You know, we knew about the toe situation heading into the season with Antonio Gibson, and we all just sort of said, like, well, it's fine. It's all dry. I, I don't have that, you know? <laughs> we talk ourselves into it. Right. Now. And Zeke, I remember Charles being like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm at, um, I'm at Frisco and I'm looking at them practice and holy cow, is he jacked up? Like he looks like he, yeah, you know, got that Cabo life. weight I mean, off. He stopped drinking the, he went to the skinny margaritas instead, some low carb tortillas on the tacos. And like, he just looked cut and ready for the bounce back. And then the knee issue happened and he just wasn't as effective. He's not going to be effective. He's a big power running back. So I also think that maybe we are, so then let me ask you, like, if we're heading into this year, let's put Aaron Jones to the side a second, because I think we also knew who McFloor, who LaFleur has been, right? Even when Jamal Williams was there, when both players were healthy, they basically split the snaps 60-40 in favor of Jones. So I, I think that one let's put to the side. But Zeke and Antonio Gibson, heading into this year, maybe noting that they were both hurt and played through those injuries and their offenses weren't as efficient or super powered as we expected they would be at the, when we drafted them, whether because of Ryan Fitzpatrick or because we expected the Dallas defense not to be as good, right? So we expected more of a Kellen Moore high-flying situation, which could ease things up for Zeke. Now, what are you, are you fading both of those guys? Are you like, I'm um, hashtag burnt on both of them? I mean, it's, it's different because the price point is different, but I'm going to give you a name that I think this applies to this year. And that's Javante Williams. We all love Javante Williams. He's we saw him when he gets his chance, and oh my God, this guy is super talented. And of course, he's going to take over eighty percent of the backfield, right? I don't know. Melvin no, Gordon not. didn't go away last year, so you have to your price point on Javante Williams is basically what end of the first, pretty much, uh, the, maybe early second if you get really lucky. You're drafted a guy like that, knowing that you might see to a seven hundred yard back in Melvin Gordon, who still played well last year. Melvin Gordon missed one game, really only. like. Yeah, and as far as much as we like to slog the Broncos for not giving Javante more chances and all that, Melvin Gordon played well. He earned his way on the field. What's so different this year? I, I, I get it. Different coaching staff. Maybe it does change. But before I draft Javante Williams aggressively, I love the talent. I have to tell myself, am I going down the same road? Am I ignoring that for a guy to reach his true ceiling, you're having to compete with a guy who might get 700 yards in the same backfield, 800, whatever it's going to be. I think that Javante Williams is the guy this year it applies to because Zeke Gibson, they're going to be at different price points. And I might talk myself into that you know, later later on. But last year was first, second round. And that's the guys I'm talking about with this lesson I learned. These are, these are your foundation guys. 
And if you you have an AJ Dillon taking away from Aaron Jones, what's really your upside there? And that uh, that's the question I'm asking with Javante right now. Well, the upside I think for Aaron Jones this year is the amount of work he's going to get in the receiving game. Yeah, yeah, he, he might catch eighty balls. Yeah. Like really, like so in a PPR friendly well. format. Like I think Aaron Jones is actually an incredible value right now. I'm going to give you some names because you make a very valid and important point about price right now um, and how Zeke and Antonio Gibson are slipping largely because they were drafted too high or didn't ROI given where they were drafted heading into last year. So looking at ADP quickly, all right, Javante Williams right now is the ninth running back overall. I am with you on Javante Williams. I have him ranked outside of my top 12. I was high on Melvin Gordon last year. I think I said this on the pad last week when we had Melvin Gordon on uh, Eckler's Edge. Also interesting to have Melvin Gordon on Eckler's Edge because the situation he is in now (laughs) and was last year was very similar to what he dealt with with, uh, when he was with the Chargers and Austin in particular. So it was a a little little tense, I'll be honest. I felt a little awkward at times. But... (laughs) Melvin Gordon, and maybe he said this because he wanted Austin to know, who knows, I don't want to play psychologist too much, but he said he had spent the summer training with Frank Gore in Florida, and that is who he was modeling his career after. Did not blink, was completely serious. Everything we're seeing, he made one game because of a hip injury. That was it. When he came back, he was right back to sharing the load, right? Why? And now he's on another they re-signed him to another short deal. So last year was on a one-year prove it. He seemed to have proved it. I agree with you. I don't think Javante Williams is, a, is going to have top 10 opportunity, not talent, unless Gordon gets hurt. And and that, that can happen to anybody. You could talk yourself sure. into any committee back. Like if this guy gets hurt, he's had about 15 backs in the league. So yeah, I, for me, it's more, I have to read the room on each one of these guys and say, this is going to be a true 80%, 90%. Najee Harris, like you don't worry about his playing time at all. Like he is their guy. No doubt the volume's going to be there. Eckler's another guy. I don't think, I don't think he's going to get much taken away from the rookie there. Or, you know, I mean, these guys who go high. So that's what I'm talking about. These, these uh, top guys. I'm interested. What, what was your first mistake, Liz? Let's, I, well, I'm hold on. I want to ask you one more question about Zeke. Sure, sure, sure. We're looking into this just so that we can move it forward. All right, right now, Zeke is the 17th running back off the board in a half point PPR league. Middle of the third round-ish for 12-team exercises. Um, just He's actually going behind Antonio Gibson, who's also going in the third round just a little bit sooner. So between those two guys, who are you preferring? I think Zeke, but I'm probably passing both. Unless I go receiver, receiver, and I'm like, wow, I need to take a running back here, but I don't like being stuck in that situation anyway. So I'm probably not going to have either guy. I I will be interested in Pollard a little bit later, but even his price, he's he's probably going to be a helium guy come August. Mm, That's an interesting point too. Yeah, we have to watch and see what happens after 4th of July holiday. That's always when I start like looking at the ADP trends because that's when people start uh, outside of best ball, really looking at the redraft leagues. Um, my So my... Biggest mistake was that, you know, Frank, like I am a committed, loyal person. I am from the Midwest. (laughs) I know that about you. Yep. It is growing up, you know, you're told be the person everyone counts on. You want to stick with your choices, but it bites you because sometimes you should leave a situation when it is toxic, but you say, nope, I'm going to stick it through because like I have committed to the end. That is what I did way too many times. Again, a little bit of a life allegory for me. Uh, but but um, I think the player that immediately comes to mind, there are three. 
particularly Trey Sermon, Allen Robinson, and Robbie Anderson. I should have gotten out much sooner. Again, it is a general problem. I never want... I think there's a part of me that's like, no, I have done my research. I know these players backwards and forwards. I know where they were born. I can tell you that Trey Sermon was born the day of Super Bowl 33, his mother's name. I know all the, all the things. I can tell you that this kid from Oklahoma to Ohio State, where there's a will, there's a way. He's in a great system, even though I have to admit when he was drafted and here's where the red flags start to come up, right? Like I was like, well... He's not really a Shanahan type. Not great pass catcher, really. I mean, maybe he could be. He's more of a power guy. That's not really someone that Shanahan would trade up for. But hey, maybe, maybe Kyle Shanahan is illustrating growth. Maybe he too has spent this offseason thinking about the ways he could get better and the mistakes he's made. No, same type. <laughs> there you go. Same time. What Elijah? There you. It, not the same time. Like there was no growth. He is. He is who he is. The other. My other favorite thing to say is like when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. I should have taken that advice to heart, but I held on to him too long. I let him be stashed because I felt like I knew better, and I. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't willing to take the L on it because I didn't want to be that person who saw a pet player, a, a flag player, blow up like week six. But by then, it's too late. And the whole point early in this, you've got to win so early in redraft if it, if you're going to really make an impact and it's not going to be a struggle. Like, you have to win three out of four in the first month. And I was just like, no, I just, I don't want, I don't want it to blow up in my face and him to be like the waiver wire guy that got away. And that's the hardest thing. You you sit there. The worst feeling is when you give up on a guy too early, and then he he just balls out for somebody else. Amon Ross St. Brown. Like if you gave up, you should have gave up on him after eight nine weeks last yeah. year, and then he becomes like a top five receiver down the stretch because they had a million injuries. Like it's it's hard. What? And I know you have a couple other guys you want to talk about too. I'll just I'll let you talk about them, and then I have a big picture question. For sure, you. sure. So Allen Robinson was the other guy. Grew up in Chicago. Me obviously. too. Me too. Bears yep. fan. Mm -hmm. Like and. He, he, had been, he had managed to, like, put the offense on his shoulders from a receiving perspective previously. You know, you knew he was good for 150 targets. The volume was there. It just got so and, – and, and honestly, week one against the Rams, right, he drew 11 looks. He didn't do much in terms of production, but it felt like, okay – we knew Andy Dalton was going to be suspect. They're going to put in the young guy. Andy Dalton's banged up. That was a game against the Rams. Let, and then in week two, not a lot of volume, but he scored. So it felt like he was still a priority. Right. And and I was just, but even as I'm doing it, I'm trying to convince myself of why I didn't just let go, right? Like that should have been the point. There was, everyone's like, oh, well, he got injured. He didn't get injured officially until week nine, a hamstring strain. From weeks one through eight, he did not clear 65 yards once. That is a point where you've got to pull the parachute and jump and go or find, you know, the loyalist in your in your league and, and try to force a trade. I should have been out sooner. I held on too long and I paid for it. I, very much the same. Uh, and I guess, you know, it's it's one of those where you start talking. Once you start, and, and one of my points in my thing was, 
if you start talking yourself into stuff, yeah. like you probably lost at that point. And you're just talking yourself into, well, Allen Robinson's got the talent. Like Allen Robinson's one of the most talented dudes in the league. Like he is, I mean, you know, Matt Harvin's been gushing about him for years and the reception perception, all that kind of stuff. So we know Allen Robinson can ball. And it's like, why? Okay. Okay. Well, once, you know, Justin Fields gets his feet wet, he's going to be, no, it just never happened with him. It was I, I was the same way. I had Allen Robinson really late in some teams, and I'm like, what am I doing? What? what, what it's, it's November. Like, it, this ain't happening. Well, at a certain point, too, you're like, well, what, who am I going to drop him for? Like, there's not much on the waiver wire. My priority isn't too. great. And that's, so. that's Liz, I, I completely agree because I'd always hear, I'd always, you know, scroll Twitter and I follow a bunch of fantasy people and stuff, and they're like, you need to cut Allen Robinson today. And then I go to my waiver wire and be like, for, for who? who? Like, right. what, what am I, there's nobody here who I'm, Donovan Peoples-Jones, really? Okay, maybe, I guess. But, you know, I mean, it's it's always what what the other option is when you're talking about just cut somebody. So, uh, you know, I, go, go on to your next one, and then I have my big picture question. For well, you. I think um, my other one was Robbie Anderson. That was another one that, like, I felt like I had done the research. I, re-wa- I re-watched, this is how dorky I am, I re-watched tape from the Jets thinking like, was this a mirage? No, it was there. The chemistry was there. I was all in. You know what I think? I think Sam Darnold love bombed. You, I listened to a pod called Something is Wrong. You probably don't listen to it. Everybody, you should, you should check right. it out. It's a good one. But I think Sam Darnold like love bombed Robbie Anderson. And I even think Robbie Anderson was convinced. I would not believe him if he said like, oh, I knew it was a bad idea from jump. I think he was convinced. And then it, it Sam Darnold got to Carolina and we were like, no, it's still, you know, like I think everyone was gaslit in this this situation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But that was another one that I like relied a little bit too much on what my friend Chris Harris would call crutch arguments. And I believed them and it felt good. And we also, I think the other piece of it that not enough people mention is always talking about the rapport, but like Robbie Anderson had demonstrated an enormous amount of growth in terms of technique and and route tree awareness and what he had done from his time in New York to his time in Carolina. He was no longer just a deep threat. So it felt like there was um, an evolution in his skill set that should make this duo, even if, if it's Anderson dragging Darnold, there should be some like production here to mine at this duo. And he was, he was an incredible value. I mean, so it seemed. It like, yeah, I, I drafted a ton of him when I was going through my drafts. I was like, oh my God, was I heavy on Robbie Anderson? Because he's think the same thing. Like he put up a grand in 2020. Like he's not gonna fall off that much. And for some reason, they just prefer him in certain spots over DJ Moore. And it just it just didn't happen for some. I, I still can't honestly give you a great answer other than Sam stinks. The Panthers stink. Uh, it was just a, yeah, I guess looking back, the situation couldn't hold on to, to two good receivers and DJ kind of just took it over. But so what, and I'm curious because I struggle with this a lot, especially baseball, which is a much longer season and, and things go back to the norm a lot easier. What's the right time on these guys? You talk about holding on too long, but yet you don't want to, I'm not going to do it late September. Like I, I I'm going to believe in Allen Robinson probably a little too long. Cause it's like Allen Robinson or whoever, even Trey Sermon. It's like, well, once he gets his chance, whatever, what is the right time to start cut bait? Well, it depends on your record. You know, like mm, you have, mm-hmm, if you're mm-hmm. losing, you've got to cut bait and can't imagine that this guy is going to be like the back half season hero. You didn't draft him to be, you're drafting Damian Pierce to be that guy. You're not drafting Ezekiel Elliott to be that guy. You, and I think that's also something when we're looking at our draft strategies, 
look at schedules. I know that some people don't like schedules, but like the lines come out, you're going to have an idea. I want players who start hot knowing that I can cut bait if I need to. And there are going to be some foundational players that you're not going to want to do that with. Like, I think, for instance, like Terry McLaurin last season, when Ryan Fitzpatrick went down with the hip injury in the first half of that week one game should have been the moment that I was like, oh, snap. Like this yeah. is not. But sometimes work. you're just stuck. You're not cutting Terry McLaurin well, at any point. Like, you it's can't like, cut him. But, but you can start to sort of shop him maybe. Or something in week like two, he had a hundred plus yard game against the Giants, but James Bradbury was his primary coverage. Like they battled, and McLaurin owned him, which is no small feat. The next week, nope. they were playing Buffalo. I should have looked ahead and traded for like knowing hindsight, mm, right? Mm, knowing what I know now. Mm-hmm. I should have been like, there's no way this is sustainable. This is not like we got lucky this week. This is a time to move and package a trade. And I think in week two, people are coming off of a hundred plus yard performance against a, an absolutely respectable foe in James Bradbury. People would have been excited about that. And I, I did not, I'm bad at trading again. Like I, I, I stick with the guys I got. I, stick with the company I'm at. I stick with the man I married. Like I stick with, I'm just loyal. And I think that maybe I just need to get sneakier really. Yeah. And it's hard when you, you flag plant on a guy like a McLaurin who you're like, I love, and he just put up hundred yards on Jay's Bradbury. It doesn't matter who the quarterback yeah. is. He's, he's bulletproof. And then yeah, a few weeks later he had those regrets. So I, yeah, I think that it's a, it's just a tough question to answer because a lot of draft capital matters. I'm cutting a 15th round pick way before I start a fifth round pick, obviously. Your record, that's a great point. I, I think that's a great point uh, that you need to get a little more aggressive with the waiver wire when you're, you know, one and three coming out of September. But I always struggle with it. And it, again, especially in baseball, we're, you know, at the end of a month, like Juan Soto right now. Like I have Juan Soto and I'm like, I, what can I do with this guy? Like he's going to come back and play well these last four months. I He's got to. But when? When's it going to happen? Yeah. Let's go. So yeah, I, I, I agree that's one of the tougher challenges of playing fantasy is just holding on too long and when to kind of get out of a guy. So I mentioned Ryan Fitzpatrick. I know that you have a belief about age, age, age. You want to share it? I do. And I, for me, it was more last year. We, I think what's happened in, in fantasy is the window for a guy to be a really good player is shrunk a lot. We, we're seeing running back. It used to be like, okay, once a guy hits 27, 28 at running back, then maybe the cheese is going bad. Now it seems like it's about 25, 26. And on the other end of the spectrum, we forget rookies really struggle. We always like to think about like, oh, you know, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Well, these guys are freaks. And if you hit on a guy like that, great, awesome. But I had too much Trey Sermon. I probably had too much Kyle Pitts. And he had a fluky season with touchdowns. He's going to be just fine this year. But if you look back at at the draft and and rookies last year, Najee was really the only good running back. I think he was the only 1,000-yard. He was the only 1,000-yard rusher among rookies last year. There were only five rookies over 538 yards receiving. There was no quarterback in the top 16. I I think uh, Mac Jones finished 17th. But I was all in on Trey Lance. I had a lot of Trevor Lawrence thinking – generational prospect he's going to be just like justin herbert why why wouldn't i take trevor lawrence and none of these things really bear any fruit and also rookies when they struggle at quarterback especially it affects the whole offense oh, they think like, the whole i mean shit. there wasn't yeah. i mean i was looking at like my lavisca chenault picks and i'm like why why did i do that like i i, I yeah i fell for that and i'm not this year but you have to take into account that Rookies are going to struggle, and especially this year's class. I don't know if it affects this year's class as much because I don't think we're high on anybody. But you do look at a guy like a Brees Hall and you say, 
okay, he's, he's already kind of probably going to be splitting time with Michael Carter in a bad offense. Do I really want to invest in this guy? Do I really want to invest in a, because we talk ourselves, that's what we do, Liz. At this time of year, we're all excited. It's going to be, wow, you know, Drake London's going to ball out because who's going to, else going to catch the ball? And, you know, Christian Watson at, at Green Bay because he's going to have all this target share. Rookies struggle. And I, I'm probably going to kind of tighten my window to, okay, I don't want somebody too old. I don't want to fall into the Zeke trap again where I, I'm a little too late on a guy. Don't want to fall into the rookie trap where I'm, I'm a little overextended on. Again, I had Trey Lance just about every league because I was like, well, whatever. He's going to take over the job and he's going to ball out. No, that, that really didn't happen. So, yes, I, I'm going to be paying a lot more attention to age, where a guy's career is, and especially running back saying, I just don't want to go old at the position. I'm going to kind of stay as young as I can in that window of a second to fourth, fifth year guy. Would you agree that, I think it's an excellent point because we always talk about, is someone washed? Is someone over the hill? How how much past 27 or 30 are they, right? But we never talk about, maybe it takes a minute to get your sea legs. Like maybe it takes a minute to transition from college ball to the NFL. We don't really consider it because there are these outliers who, manage to not just make the leap, but become superstars at the next level immediately. And that's what we're all chasing. It's an excellent point. Would you agree, however, that running back is the one position where that's a little anomalistic? It it can be. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's one of those where, what's the hit rate exactly? Because you always remember those successes, right? You don't remember the failures. You don't remember the Trey Sermons or, or any of these, any of these, you know, non thousand yard rushers last year, even, even a Javante Williams. He was good, but he didn't win you any leagues. Like, I mean, he just didn't. So you look and you but say, Elijah Mitchell okay, was a rookie. He was. And now that, that was a little bit different situation to me. Cause we saw him on the waiver wire already. He was, I mean, if you drafted Elijah Mitchell in August, God oh, bless yeah. you. Cause <laughs> you're doing this a lot better than I am. But we saw that game against, I think it was Detroit, where he balled out, and you're like, ooh, okay. So that's a little bit different to me. Yes, rookies can do it at that level, but I just, I, I'm going to be a little more wary. I'm not saying I won't take a Brees Hall. I'm not saying I won't go in on some guys, the, the guy in Atlanta, his name escapes me from BYU, a guy like that. Yeah, I'll have some shares, but it's going to have to be at value. I'm not going to be aggressively getting these guys and being overweight on them after my drafts because... It's hard to play NFL football, especially as a rookie. And we all like to think like, well, you know, Jamar Chase did it. Well, why can't, you know, Garrett Wilson? Well, you know, Jamar Chase is a freak. That's why Jamar Chase is going to be a freaking top five receiver for the rest of his career. So I'm just a little more cautious this year, I'd say, Liz, on younger guys and older guys. I want to kind of get in that sweet spot. Yeah, I also think that maybe the expectation for a rookie should be, I always, I think about it. And I reference it regularly, but the Chris Johnson to David Johnson torch passing that happened in Arizona, you know, right after, I believe, Thanksgiving, everybody was on David Johnson. And no, but everyone, the, the, Chris Johnson is washed, blah, 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 blah. But Bruce Arians was like, no, like, I'm, I am the coach. You are, you are the coach of your imaginary little football team. I am the coach of the actual Arizona right. Cardinals franchise. And there will be an opportunity. And that's kind of why I mentioned Damian Pierce, right, in Houston. I think that he will end the season a hero, but Marlon Mack is going to start. And what is your tolerance? I totally agree. I totally agree. Kind of the same. How long are you willing to stash Damian Pierce so that you're not the, the girl or guy who didn't get to ride him when it mattered? The Amon, Amon Ross St. Brown, right? I had him in every sleeper list. It took... The OC, frankly, being sat down and TJ Hawkinson being triple covered for them to discover <laughs> Amon Ross St. Brown, right? Like it happened. 
it takes a while. It, it's interesting you bring up Pierce because he's a guy. Yeah, I've looked at a lot, obviously, too. Ambiguous backfield and all that kind of stuff. But maybe Pierce is going to become Trey Sermon, right? Maybe yes. we're going to be sitting here like, like, okay, it's Thanksgiving. He's going to get a shot now. And it's like, no, Marlon Mack is just grinding out 3.8 yards of carry because Lovey Smith is our coach and he likes veterans. I, I, it's it's so hard to play this game. And it's, it's one of those things. Again, I'm not saying I won't draft any of these guys because I will. There's some situations where you look and you say, there's a clear path for a Kenneth Walker. You know, I mean, why not? Why why couldn't he be in a run first team? A, a very good running back this season. But I think I'm just going to pull back a little bit and say, I, I just want a little bit more of a sure thing. Because we always like the shiny new toy and we get bored with the veterans. And sometimes the veterans really pay off for you more than those rookies. But but again, you're right. Like, I don't want to be completely missing out on the boat if Kenneth Walker goes and is a league winner in December. So... Are you excited to draft Kenneth Walker? Like, is he is he a target for you? No, because we're no. assuming that Chris Carson is, you know, that the medicals aren't going to work out for him. And Rashad Penny has never been sustainable except for this one. Again, I'm using the word twice, which is odd. Anomalistic opportunity that he had down the stretch of last year. Like, I see so many fantasy analysts ranking Penny super high. And I'm like, well, again... We've seen a pattern here. It might work out well for you, but there is no way that this guy is getting to Halloween without an injury. You're probably right. It's And it's almost like Tyler Higby last year to kind of U-turn this a little bit. Mm. Where Higby finished the season so well in 2020, I believe uh-huh. it was, where he was, he like was out of legitimately... The I was like, oh my God, Tyler Higby, he's going to be the guy. Gerald Everett's gone. He's going yeah. to go to, no, he just had a good five weeks and he, he kind of fell back to earth. But Penny was so good at the end of last year. And it goes back to, okay, I need to read this situation. Rashad Penny or Kenneth Walker, they're, they're probably going to eat into each other's production in a Drew Lock led offense. Uh, okay, I, I'm probably going to fade that. Like everybody has his price. I'm not saying I won't draft Penny, Walker, any of these guys. I will not draft Drew Lock. I can tell you that. But it's one of those where you have to take a look and you have to say, okay, I'm going to draft Kenneth Walker. I'm going to go, I'm going to get this rookie shiny new toy, second round pick. Well, okay. You have to deal with a bad offense. You have to deal with a guy eating into his production who balled out last year in December. Is that really going to bear fruit for you? Maybe, maybe it will, but I don't know that I'm necessarily going to take those risks. A lot of this, I feel like is also reading the room, you know, in your own personal drafts and, you have a position that's particularly difficult, or at least was last year when you were trying to see when people were going to pick. So why why don't you talk about that? I think it's a really intriguing point. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm interested in your advice on this because I screwed it. I, I mean, I guess everybody did almost, and that's tight end. I, I I was one of these position scarcity guys, and I wasn't afraid to take Kelsey. I, I had some Darren Wall. I mean, I had a league where I had Jonathan Taylor miss the playoffs. Okay, I was the guy. Ooh. I was the one guy in. Fantasy football last year I had Jonathan Taylor miss the playoffs. And one of my problems was I drafted Darren Waller way too early. Kittle really didn't give a great ROI. Pitts didn't really either. The Hawkinson wasn't great. The only guy, I mean, Mark Andrews was a grand slam and he carried me to a couple titles. But are you proactively drafting tight ends anymore based on position scarcity? Because it just seems like even the hits, like Kelsey wasn't a miss. He was fine by the end of the year, had some big games. But I, you look back and you say, did, did Kelsey really make the impact you wanted him to make from a sometimes first round, I, I drafted him at least one first round, Travis Kelsey, because believing in position scarcity, mostly second round, going in the same kind of range this year. Are, are you back on the train? Are you going to draft Travis Kelsey second round? Are you, are you drafted, you know, Waller, Kittle, 
it, it pits in the third, fourth round. Are, are you proactively drafting tight end or just trying to find value? I mean, I think last year there were a couple of leagues where I did, particularly in best ball, if I'm being honest, like I went after Pitts because I was like, yes, let's do it. There was a super flex league where um, Mark Andrews uh, carried me to a Super Bowl. I lost, though, uh, but I did get to the Super Bowl um, on Mark Andrews. For the most part, though, and, and I did have a lot of Hawkinson because I really did believe volume and talent, the whole thing was going to work out for me. I think it's an interesting, like the tight end position is a little bit different now because we're not so, it, the, the jumbo receiver is not this new thing, right? There's not this giant gap between Travis Kelsey and everybody else. You know that when you're drafting Kittle, he's going to be hurt for like four weeks, right? Like you're just going to take your lump to get him. Darren Waller, we could not see coming. I don't think anyone saw what happened in Vegas last year coming, by the way, on numerous levles. He, I, for, for, Liz, first week, he had like, 29 targets or whatever it was. I mean, but he got an you thought, oh my God, That's here he is. An yeah, injury. Yeah. You know, you can't you yep, can't yep. make it like if your Correct. star player gets hurt, you gotta take your lumps and work the waiver wire and try to package a deal. But like, I don't think you should I don't think drafting Darren Waller was a mistake last year. I think that the you know, you had some bad luck and so did he, and so did Vegas for the city to have bad luck in is interesting. But um <laughs> I I I think generally speaking, I am a dart throw I write the sleepers column I do the sleepers segment on FFL so that is how I built my career on sleepers frankly like when I had the fantasy football girl and largely on tight ends because the position is so scarce you can always find an option week in and week out so I think because that is where I focus more of my work, uh, my like day-to-day articles and content creation I am more willing to it's, it's not homework. I already have to do the work. So it doesn't bother me to like, therefore then pick a guy later. You know, like I mentioned Robert Tanya and I love Albert O this year. Um, I will probably yeah, take a Irv lot Smith of them. Is a guy Irv, like, right. Yeah. Irv Smith, even David Njoku. I know that we're, you know, sure. there's questions about the quarterback situation in Cleveland, but I don't think that will hurt Njoku a lot necessarily. Um, I think he might be a so little bit So let me ask safer. you real quick. What, what do you think the best packet, if I'm giving you one option or the other, I could give you Kelsey in the second round. Or I can give you double-digit rounds. You could go, you know, double tap on Albert O and Tanya. Which of the would which of those options do you think is better suited for you to win your? Life? I will take Albert O over Travis Kelsey yeah. at the top the of the second point. round, right? Like if you have the snake, I, that's what it has to be because he's going to go up too because everybody's going to say. Kelsey's going to get 175 targets this year or whatever. It's yeah, I actually remember you talking about on you pod to win the game, whether or not you and Charles had a good two, three episodes about whether or not he was washed at the top of the season. Is he on the wrong? Oh, He's the same times. age as Rob Gronkowski, who uh, just retired. There were times, Liz, where last year you were like, uh, is, is Kelsey on, on the cliff here? Here's we, the other thing he, about... He, re, he rebounded really, really well. Sure, sure. But this is the thing about Kansas City and what we were talking about. Like... You don't, I think Kansas City is going to have some growing pains. I also believe they are going to figure it out. I am not being proactive on most of the early round picks in Kansas City because they, I don't think they're going to, I think we might have a little repeat of what we did last year and I need points from jump. I don't need Travis Kelsey to rescue me. I want him to put me in a position where I am not needing to be rescued. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just tough. And maybe just. I'm just looking at last year where only one guy in the top 100 picks a tight end hit, and that was Andrews. And I'm burned by it. And I'm like, I'm not going to draft Darren Waller. Maybe he goes and has 100 catches. I, I don't know. But Devontae Adams this year, is I there. Think, no, he won't. Right. Like, yeah, I know. Uh, this year, I'm just – even Andrews. Andrews, who I love from last year. Again, I my main league finally won it because 
basically because Andrews and yeah. Debo Samuel, those those two picks. Where, but this year I'm not I'm not chasing Mark Andrews. I'm just gonna say, uh, you know, last year's stats were great, but I'm not drafting. Where is it? Probably third round, early third, late second. I'm not chasing Mark Andrews. I'm gonna find the next Mark Andrews. That's I'm right. just gonna be cheap. I'm just gonna be cheap at tight end. And again, maybe Irv Smith blows up if Thielen drops a little bit or whatever in new offense. What? Gerald Everett in be, Los Angeles. That, right, I mean, you want right. to tell me we you want to tell me that Mike Williams isn't gonna be hurt at some point and Gerald Everett isn't gonna go off in those weeks that he is. Absolutely. And Albert O. Or, you know, I mean, there's a pocket of about six, seven names where I'm like, a couple of these guys are going to hit and I'm going to try mm-hmm. to hit on one of them. 100%. So we're waiting on tight end. We're looking at age as a factor and we're not sticking it through. We're getting a divorce early. We're getting out right. before we have kids. <laughs> not, not sticking. Yeah. You're not, not going to be holding on to Trey Sermon at Christmas saying, this is the week. <laughs> this is the week it's going to hit. No, no, no coal in your you stocking trust me. Right, in no. 2022. All right. We have covered our mistakes. It felt very therapeutic. I enjoyed. I liked your analogy earlier of being on the couch and kind of talking through, working through um, some of the pains of last season so that we don't make them again. Mistakes. I always tell my kids. Mistakes are great because you learn from them. And if you don't learn from a mistake, you got to do it again. Hopefully, hopefully. I'm excited. Like, I want to go do some best ball drafts right now, Liz. I'm like fired up. It's it's mid-June. I shouldn't be thinking about football drafts now, but here we are. I can't wait. Well, I think I believe that Yahoo Fantasy has best ball drafts available. So you get to it. I get to it. Listeners, you get to it. That's going to do it for this episode. You can follow me on Twitter at Liz Loza underscore FF. Follow Frank at Yahoo Schwab. And while you're there, make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy. Andy and Scott will be back on Monday with some waiver wire awards. Ooh, you know Cordero Patterson's going to be on that. Until then, we're out.